0: what's happening Cowboy nation and welcome into another episode of the previewing the pokes podcast. I'm your host Josh Criswell excited to have all you guys back for week two an interesting and in some ways disappointing and other ways promising start to the season for the Cowboys ended up pulling out a three-point win over Montana State last week but they did enter that game. 17 and a half point favorite, so obviously some areas for improvement. Also, as I mentioned, a few bright spots, especially with the way that Wyoming played down the stretch there. Going to get into all of that at the end of the show and also give my perspective on this weekend's game at Northern Illinois. But before we do that, welcome to the show a very special guest, Eddie Cariffio, sports editor at the Daily Chronicle in DeKalb, Illinois. Eddie knows the Huskies about as well as anybody, and I guess my very first question for you is. You know, Northern Illinois coming off of an 0 6 season opens the season with a win over a Power Five team in Georgia Tech. Seems like they had arguably the biggest week one turnaround in the country. You know, for you, what did you see that went wrong last year? And what was the biggest thing that impressed you on Saturday?
1: Well, last year, I mean, in theory, turnovers were costly. If you look at it, they had a lot of pick sixes, a lot of scooping scores. That was you know, if you want to get down to the micro, but bigger picture last year, they were a young team. I mean, they were a very young team. It was only a six-game season. It started really late. It seems like a lot – this is like a half-thought I formulated. I want to get into a column at some point. But a lot of people put a lot of stock into what happened last year. And, you know, especially with the Mac, I think the Mountain West was the same way, playing a limited six-game schedule that ends up not counting really for anything – to, to take a lot of conclusions out of that might've been, you know, a little foolish when you're trying to analyze it or whatever. So foolish might be too hard of a word, but whatever it is, it's um, so I think that was a very picture. They were very young last year. Um, I, I think they were the started the second most amount of freshmen is uh, uh, anybody in a uh, division one football this year's really no different, and they're all still freshmen this year. They're still really young, but, you know, these are freshmen that have two or three years' experience at this point.
0: I guess not a new face. I think he was in his second year last year, but Thomas Hammock, you know, it seems like there's a lot of high hopes for him there. You know, obviously a lot of connections to the Northern Illinois program. What do you see from him as a coach? You know, what's his philosophy, and what are some of the strong points that he brings to the table?
1: In- Definitely, uh, as a former running back and running back coach in the NFL, I mean, obviously, not only believes in the ground game, because I I mean, obviously, your coach believes in the ground game. You know, I'm a coach, I coach Ball believes in the ground game. Lots of coaches believe in the ground game. But I think what he's shown is he's been able, again, very small sample size we're dealing with here, he's been able to bring in some young guys, the guys, guys he brought in have uh, competed uh, right off the bat, as, uh, especially with Harrison Whaley, um, led the team in rushing last year, obviously had not only had the good game against Georgia Tech, uh, Hammock trusted him enough to just say, we're just going to run you all game and you go ahead. And mostly it paid off. He did have the one fumble. But um, that was something Hammock even had talked about uh, before the game, saying that Georgia Tech, the way they tackle, likes, likes to claw at the ball and they go – for the, uh, for the uh, strip there all the time. So that was something he had expected. That was so getting back to the point. Hammock uh, running the ball obviously likes that, but I, th- I think he's bringing the talent and he's getting people to buy into. I think he's getting the players to buy into what he's trying to do there. I think that's the biggest thing. I If you listen to what they said after the game, they never stopped believing that they were going to win that game. And I mean – it's hard to go
0: against that when they ended up winning that game. So I I think that that's what he's bringing to the table. Speaking of Harrison Whaley, 160 all-purpose yards last week, as you mentioned, a lot of success last season. You know, what's the thing that makes him so dangerous as a threat out of the backfield? He is super fast.
1: I mean, he is really, really uh, just explosive. Um, he's slippery. You've got to wrap up your tackles when you're dealing with him. He's just the, the quintessential kind of speed back if the line is doing their job, which by and large they did last uh, last week. It, it, it's really hard to get a hold of him. It's going to be interesting to see. I saw they actually, whatever stock you put into a depth chart, they actually had another freshman who didn't play last year because of injury, and uh, Jay Ducker listed his second on on the depth chart. Um, He's more of the uh, more power back type. They also have someone who transferred into the program and Aaron Collins, who had been kind of the backup, but didn't get any carries last game. So not hurt that I know of, though. Hammock is very uh, tight-lipped when it comes to uh, injuries and that sort of thing. So, yeah, Whaley definitely has a speedy explosive back.
0: Gotcha. And then, you know, talking about speed, going over to the other side of the ball, one of the things that Craig Ball mentioned in his press conference this week was just the amount of speed that NIU has on the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, for the Wyoming offense, what's the biggest thing that they're going to have to prepare for this week to go out and have some success offensively?
1: Uh, I know it's not something uh, Wyoming uh, or Coach Ball probably wants to hear, but you know, if you get down deep, the corners are a young group. Uh, they're down to safety with uh, Devin Lafayette, who is was uh, hurt in the Georgia Tech game. You're going to be tight-lipped about that one because an ambulance had to cart him off the field. So um, that one was obvious. But no, they're, they're secondary. Well, not bad. They can give up big plays here and there. They're, they're susceptible to that sort of thing. They're susceptible to kind of a iffy coverage. You know, if you pick at them and poke at those holes enough, you'll you'll find something and be successful. Um, the, the run game, they're, they're a little tougher up front. The linebackers are, are very good. Even uh, with Kyle Pugh hurt in the spring, he was one of those uh, super seniors that were uh, coming back. Not that the team had a lot of them, but, um, he was one of them. Lance DeVoe is healthy. He had a huge game against, uh, Georgia tech. he had 16 tackles. I want to say though, the stats they said were iffy from that game, you'll notice they had a backup quarterback with a reception and, um, I think they had offensive linemen with an interception or something like that. There were some weird stats, but I think the 016 tackles I test seemed at least about right. He's another one of those super seniors. Just if you're looking for a weakness in that defense, though, you they're, they're susceptible to big plays occasionally with the run, but it's especially especially with the pass. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think that's one of the things I'm most interested in about this matchup, because it seems like both teams on defense, their strength is kind of in that defensive front while their opponent is going to be probably trying to get the running game going first and foremost. So that's going to be interesting to watch. But, you know, going over the passing game real quick, Rocky Lombardi, you know, obviously the name stands out to everyone whenever you see it. But, you know, uh, what, what, what does he bring to the table, you know, for the Huskies? It seems like he at the very least kind of brings a uh, definitely a veteran experience obviously playing at Michigan state, but it also seemed like he just did a really good job of running that offense, not really making mistakes. You know, what is the biggest thing you saw from him last week? The biggest thing I saw from him was that final drive.
1: I mean, that was, that was about all you really saw from him. I mean, cause they, they didn't call his number. They didn't ask him to do much. It was, you know, the Harrison Whaley show, you know, his passes were there. There were a couple drops early. I know uh, uh, Trayvon, Rudolph, uh, a second year true freshman, had a had a drop kind of early on. Um, also, as a side note, Rudolph didn't get a return any kicks, which is uh, disappointing because he um, was one of the top kick returners in the country last year, but uh, they sailed him through the end zone every time, so nothing there. He's emerging as a wide receiver. Um, I think that was his only target, so I'm, I, if my memory serves, right, so it's not like he got a lot of chances there, but yeah, no, just that last drive with Bombardi, with that that shows you, I guess, what he's capable of. They do decide to, you know, take him out of the garage and take him for a spin a little earlier than on the last drive this time around. Um, it, just the decision making is great. And it, the, there's definitely a rhythm there between him and Tyrese Ritchie. You saw that on the two-point conversion. I mean, Tyrese Ritchie's Probably, I don't even want to qualify. I think he's the best receiver in the MAC, but whatever. I'm biased. One of the best receivers in the MAC easily. I think there's probably uh, games on Sunday in his future. I would think.
0: All right, Eddie. Last one for you. Got the game coming up this weekend. I'm sure you'll be out there. You know, if you had to give a, a score prediction for Saturday, what are you going with?
1: I have give. I do think
0: NIU comes away with it. I, I don't think it's a
1: blowout. Um, I I know Wyoming had their hands full with a ranked uh uh FCS team, but an FCS team nonetheless. I would think um I, NIU, maybe I'm drinking the Kool-Aid too much. I think NIU comes away with it. Uh, score probably somewhere uh, 27, 21. I know that's not a fun score to pick, but <laughs> probably somewhere in
0: that neighborhood. All right. You just heard from Eddie Cariffio, sports editor at the Daily Chronicle and DeKalb. You can follow him out there for all his coverage this weekend. <laughs> Eddie, where can we find you at?
1: Um, I am on Twitter at DDC Eddie Cariffio. And by the way, this isn't the first media I've done. And I will tell you what I told everyone else. DeKalb is in Georgia. DeKalb is in Illinois. Physically, when I moved out here, it physically hurt me to say DeKalb to hit that A like that, that Midwestern A
0: but it is at Calb. <laughs> I went to school for two years out in Chicago, and I didn't even realize that. I've been saying it wrong all this time. Oh, I mean, who from Chicago thinks about the <laughs> cow? <laughs> awesome. Appreciate it, Eddie. I'll talk to you soon. Hey, no problem. See you Saturday. You just heard from Eddie Cariffio, sports editor at the Daily Chronicle in DeKalb, Illinois. Make sure to give Eddie a follow on social media to stay in touch with all the updates he has coming from the Husky side. This weekend. Now, as we do every week, I'm going to close out the show by taking a quick look back and taking a quick look ahead at the Cowboys' next upcoming matchup. But before we do that, a qu- couple quick shout outs in order. Chad Muma and Ralph Waz earning Mountain West Player of the Week awards for their performance last week. Chad named the top defensive player in the conference for the week, racked up 11 tackles, including nine solo stops, also had a fumble recovery, a blocked field goal. Two tackles for loss and a sack. Really just putting on full display and putting to rest any doubt about whether or not he's one of the top linebackers in the entire country. Then Ralph is a very impressive start to his UW career. Very first college game. And he gets freshman of the week honors. He averaged 45.7 yards a punt. Also landed four of his five punts inside the Montana State 20-yard line, including one that stopped all the way down at the one, and really that played a big part. Those two things, defense and special teams, obviously some late offensive heroics from the Cowboys, but if we're looking at the bulk of that game, and especially those first three quarters, it was defense and special teams really keeping them in it, so shout out to those two. Also a shout out for running backs, Azavian Valade Obviously, top running back in the Mountain West the last two seasons, one of the best in the country, and now he's been officially named one of the captains for the University of Wyoming football team. Craig Bull, you know, said that they've kept a lot, pretty much all their same captains uh, from last year, actually, but you know Valade said showed tremendous leadership you know throughout the offseason fall camp and obviously the start of the season so cool moment for him especially as he heads home you know comes from the Chicago area going to have some friends and family out there at this weekend's game so exciting moment for Valade and his teammates but you know looking back real quick before we take a peek at the game against NIU you got to look at the Montana State game and it wasn't pretty in a lot of areas i guess we'll get to what wasn't pretty first And I think, obviously, that starts, you know, with the traditional run game. It's something that Craig Bowl, whenever he talked to the media this week, it was really one of the first things he brought up as far as what they need to do better. I mean, the Cowboys averaged just 3.6 yards per carry out of the running back position. And an area that we all assumed was going to be probably, you know, the strength of the offense and one of the strengths of the team as a whole really wasn't there so much had to lean you know more so on the passing game had some really big plays by Sean Chambers at the quarterback position you know hit a couple different guys Ed and Eberhardt really came through kind of served as that reliable option that he could go to for a first down whenever they needed it and then obviously hitting Trayton Welch for the game winner with less than a minute to go so I, I think you know the running back position obviously the biggest concern. And I don't even know if I want to say a concern. I think it's just an area for improvement. I think if you're looking for a positive... In the negatives here, I think it's the fact that no one doubts this Wyoming team's ability to run the football. I think the fact that, you know, Brent Vegan, former UW offensive coordinator for the past seven years, he had about as good of an inside look, you know, at that backfield and that offense as a whole as anybody's had. So I think you're going to see a lot more positive developments moving forward, especially now that that's kind of an area of emphasis where the Cowboys know that they need to get better, especially if they want to do what they want to accomplish this year. And then I guess, you know, looking at the positive offensively, I think you got to look at the play of obviously, you know, getting the tight ends involved in the game was huge. You know, whether it was Trayton Welch or Parker Christensen, Cowboys talked about getting that position group going and they clearly did in the very first game of the season and not just that, but went to them with the game on the line to end up getting the win, but You know, Sean Chambers just had a really strong performance, had an early interception and an incompletion, you know, his first two pass attempts of the game, but really settled in after that, you know, finished with over 247 total yards, obviously led the game-winning touchdown drive, and then probably, you know, music to the ears of Cowboy fans more than anything is the fact that, you know, after those two early setbacks... He completed over 60% of his passes the rest of the way. So I think moving forward, you have to feel like, you know, if Chambers, you know, he got eight different receivers involved uh, with catches last week. So I think if you can get, you know, around a 60% completion percentage and the run game gets to where you think it can be, I think it's nothing but looking up for that UW offense. Over on the defensive side of the ball, it was interesting. Um, really sound through three quarters. I mean, they really just kind of shut down that Montana State um, rushing attack, especially in the first half, which is impressive because... That's what the Bobcats, without a doubt, do best. They did allow some big plays, but I think it's really promising just the way that they were kind of able to stop the bleeding there. I mean, they allow back-to-back scoring drives to give up leads in the fourth quarter, but, you know, with the game on the line, Montana State still had about a minute to go. You know, all they needed to do was get into field goal range, and, you know, they give up some chunk plays, but ultimately, you know, a sack from Ravante Holt and Garrett Crawl, kind of helps get that clock moving. And then C.J. Colden, you know, coming up with a big play. I mean, they're just outside of field goal range, I think, at the UW-40. And, you know, if they get that first down, they get an extra chance to keep this game alive, you know, take a shot to the end zone or try to kick the game-tying field goal. And CJ Colden just stepped up, made a terrific tackle in the open field, you know, not just brought down the guy one yard short of the first down marker, but kept him inside the field of play off the sideline. So that kept the clock moving and ultimately expired before the Bobcats could take another snap. So, you know, not not the prettiest start to the season, but I think it was there's definitely positive developments, especially in the second half, especially from the offense. I mean they didn't have a drive of, you know, more than 40 yards the entire game. And then I think the next three all went for over 50 yards, I think 75 yards on the game-winning drive in the last 2 minutes. So, there's definitely some positive takeaways as I mentioned, not the prettiest moment for the Cowboys, but definitely something to build on moving forward. Now, looking ahead at Northern Illinois, you know, as I talked about with Eddie, he got into the the bulk of it, so we won't go too heavy into it, but Really a strong start for them. I mean, they're a team that's coming off an 0-6 season, and then they just go out and beat a Power 5 team in Georgia Tech, on the road in Atlanta, win the game you know, with a late touchdown drive, and go ahead two-point conversion to win it 22-21. to So really a really promising start for the Huskies. Starting quarterback Rocky Lombardi, a transfer from Michigan State, Really efficient, you know. Completed 11 of 17 passes, had 136 yards and two touchdowns, 23 rushing yards, no turnovers. So, really big uh, showing from him. But it was definitely the Harrison Whaley show, and I think that's one thing, you know, Eddie mentioned, and I'll mention again here. I mean, that's where things are gonna live. That's where Northern Illinois is gonna live and die on offense is that running back position, and specifically their feature back. Harrison Whaley he went off you know had 144 yards and a touchdown on 27 carries also had you know 16 yards receiving and he's just a home run threat every time he gets the ball in his hands reminds me a little bit of Zazavian Valaday for Wyoming obviously not as experienced doesn't have the track record yet but you see those early flashes and you see a guy that's just an absolute weapon Anytime he gets his hands on the ball. Going over the defensive side of the ball, you know, Northern Illinois, kept Georgia Tech in check, mostly held them to 21 points, which is about all you can ask for in that game. And obviously – was enough for them to go out there and ultimately get the win. But, you know, they're led by senior linebacker, a sixth-year senior, Lance DeVoe Jr., racked up 13 tackles last week against Georgia Tech to be named the max defensive player of the week. And so that's that's probably going to be the position to watch, especially with the Cowboys putting an emphasis on getting that traditional run game going. So that's what I'm going to have my eye on. I guess if I give you a matchup to watch I think it's going to be interesting and I'm going to go the passing games against the opposing secondary. You know, for the Cowboys, you saw a couple of promising flashes, you know, with Chambers and his receivers out there. And then also hearing from Eddie earlier, it sounds like if there's a spot to attack that NIU defense, it's going to be, you know, in that secondary right there. That's where they gave up some big plays, had over 50-yard catch, you know, given up to a Georgia Tech team that barely passes the ball, so that's going to be the area to attack, it sounds like, for the Cowboys. And then also on the other side, I mean, you look over at the best player without a doubt on Northern Illinois' roster, and that's all-mac receiver Tyrese Ritchie, a guy who's probably going to be playing on Sunday, Sunday averaged almost 100 yards per game last season and kind of picked up where he left off, had three catches for 70 yards against Georgia tech. And probably most importantly, you could tell that there's already a connection between him and Lombardi at quarterback. You know, you saw that on the game winning uh two point conversion attempt, attempt made a dive and catch to win the game in the, f- in the final minute. So that that's going to be it for me. I think Tyrese Ritchie obviously going to be a very, dangerous threat that the Cowboys have to account for but also for the Cowboys I'm just going to be looking at the secondary in general because I thought they played pretty well all things considered you know you lose starting cornerback Azizi Hearn one of the best in the Mountain West less than six minutes into the game due to targeting and they really kind of held strong you know Braden Smith was all over the place in the secondary at the safety spot forced a fumble for the Pokes only turnover of the day And then also Cam Stone, you know, sophomore cornerback. Haven't seen necessarily a ton of him. He was out there a lot. You know, I think he got beat, you know, once or twice out there. But for the most part, he played really sound coverage on those Montana State receivers. Obviously going to be a big test this week. But I think with C.J. Colton, Azizi Hearn, and the rest of those guys in that secondary, I think the Pokes have a good chance to shut him down. Well, that's it for today's show. Going to close it out with a score prediction. I'm going Wyoming 24 Northern Illinois, 21. I think it's going to be another close one. I think the Huskies are improved, but I also think that we didn't see anything close to the full potential of this Wyoming football team last week. I think they kind of start moving in that direction, especially after a wake-up call. So we'll see what happens. I'm Josh Criswell, even listening to the Previewing the Pokes podcast. Make sure to go to yosports.net for all of your Wyoming football coverage, and also make sure to subscribe to the Sports podcast on Apple Podcasts. I'll talk to you next time.